Welcome to Globally Speaking, sponsored by Moravia and Nimsy Insights. Are you ready to dive into the most critical issues impacting language localization today? Globally Speaking is an independent program designed to educate, inform, and challenge everyone who's engaged in global communications. Your hosts for Globally Speaking are Renato Beninato and Michael Stevens. Learn more by visiting our website at www.globallyspeakingradio.com. And now, here are Renato and Michael. I'm Michael Stevens. I'm Renato Beninato. Renato, today on Globally Speaking, we have a guest who is talking to us about reaching other audiences outside the U.S., Yes, we're talking specifically about the Japanese market. We had a podcast recently about it, but Netflix, as you know, it's one of these phenomena in the, the new economy. They're changing the whole game. They're changing the whole game about streaming content, and they have 117 million members. And this is, we're talking about April 2018. Maybe by the time you listen, they have over 120. Right. And those are only the people who have actually paid for the account. That doesn't count sharing passwords or things like that. Or family. Or family. Yeah, yeah. They do have family. People in my account. Yep. Yeah, uh, they're present in 190 countries, but they're only localizing their user interface into 26 languages. Mm-hmm. But they've become a production powerhouse with over 400 originals that are translated into multiple languages. And as we said in the previous podcast that we had on the Netflix effect, that this is having a, a huge impact in the supply and demand for translation talent. Yeah, for translators, they've definitely made a big difference there. And today we're talking about something that many people may not have thought about, and that is their impact on UI and user experience. When it comes to children, it's a particularly difficult situation because of different levels of reading skills. Yeah. Once again, we find ourselves talking about alphabets. <laughs> like we talked with Tim with the Endangered Alphabets Project in episode 34, and that was one of our better listened to and responded to podcasts. And now here we are again, looking at how Netflix is transforming the way that alphabets are used. And it was one of my favorite when the guy came in and said, oh, you're talking about glagolithic. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> this time we're traveling to Japan. And here's the thing. We all know that Japanese have three different alphabets. We're going to hear how... Japanese children learn how to read and how this affects the user interface, the UI for Netflix. Let's let our guest introduce herself. My name is Yuka Ogasawara. I'm a language manager for Japanese at Netflix and I'm based in Tokyo office. You, I understand, work on a specific project at Netflix. What is that project? So our globalization team is responsible for all the language quality on on service. But for me, because I work very closely with marketing team here in Tokyo, my main focus is the marketing side. And also there are many researches going on in Tokyo. So I participate in those as well. 
So one of the projects that you are leading is the Netflix for Kids in Japan. Tell us a little bit more about that project. Sure. Last year, our research team decided to do some research for kids' usability for categories on kids' UI. And I attended that whole research and we started working on the improvement of their usability on categories on their UI. You've got a couple things our audience might not be totally familiar with. Can you talk a bit about your usability team and how they connect and what they do? So we have consumer insight team who covers everything. And also we have a separate UI for general UI, which is for adults, and also for kids UI. And there's another dedicated team for the kids UI. So those teams tap together to work on improvement for the kids UI. What were the key findings of this research that you did about categorization for kids in the general catalog? And how is that different for adults? So I attended that research and I found that, first of all, there are many words that kids didn't understand in the categories, such as comedy or documentaries. And also another problem was there are many kanji that younger kids couldn't read. I remember at one point you mentioned that some children or most children don't understand what the word documentary means until they're like 12 or 13. Yes. And that's just one example of one of the insights that came out of this. Yeah. And that was very surprising for me. Personally, I don't have kids. I didn't know the level of understanding and the gap was bigger when I met them. So you did this with focus groups, I imagine. You brought people into the room or did you just look at the behavior online? We invited pairs of kids from age of 5 to 13, pairs of boys and girls, and we invited them to the room and we observed their behaviors and we asked questions. Yeah, because until a certain age, the choice is made by the parents, right? The kids don't go and choose what they're going to watch by themselves. So this issue is not a problem for for the very young. Yeah. So that was one of the questions as well. We asked them, do you use Netflix by yourself or do your parents choose content for you? And for... Us non-Japanese speakers, we are in the language business and we know that Japanese has basically, I thought, three different alphabets, right? Katagana, Hiragana, and Kanji. Tell us a little bit about these three types of alphabet and how and when they're used. This is the second podcast that we've talked about alphabets in particular. It's a really challenging thing to talk about a visual concept on a podcast. I just want to highlight that. So we'll take your time for our listeners. It was a fascinating podcast that we had in the summer of 2017 with Tim Brooks about endangered alphabets. But Japanese is far from an endangered alphabet. It's actually (laughs) a very alive and kicking. So there are these three different How do Japanese children learn these alphabets? Sure. So kids start studying hiragana and katakana before they start going to school at age of six. And hiragana and katakana both are phonetic alphabets. The only difference is katakana is used for loan words, like foreign words. And those hiragana and katakana are 96 alphabets in total. And usually kids can read and write before start going to school. So 96 characters, yes. the two alphabets. Okay. 
And this is something that you learn in preschool or at home before you... Okay. And then once they go to school, they start studying the third one, right? From six years old, when kids start going to school, they start studying kanji. This is also known as Chinese characters. And kanji is used for content words, including nouns and stem of verbs and adverbs. And we write a mixture of kanji and hiragana and katakana for a better legibility. So you know, basically, based on the curriculum, how many characters a child knows by the age of seven, by the age of nine, by the age of 12, and so on, theoretically. Yes. Unless you have a, a prodigy and a genius who knows it all. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. Like, like Michael's children. <laughs> <laughs> so every year at school, kids study different sets of kanji. In the first year, when they're six, they remember 80 kanji. And by 12 years old, they remember over a thousand kanji in total. Wow. And how many kanji characters are there? So many, but the kanji that we usually use is around 2,000. 2,000, okay. So this poses an interesting challenge because you cannot have a user interface for 6 to 7, 9 to 12, or or different ranges like that. You can only Uh, segment it so much. Right. So how did you solve this problem at Netflix? Sure. So Netflix Kids UI is targeted to from toddler to around 10 or 12 years old. So we decided to add Frigana to those difficult kanji. So you talked about Hiragana, Katagana, Kanji, and now you're talking about Furigana. What is that? Frigana is a phonetic Hiragana that we add usually on top of Kanji. So you put an explanation on top of a character. But is Furigana the name of that feature or is it the name of another alphabet? Furigana is technically Hiragana. So it's not a type of alphabet. The used alphabet is Hiragana. Furigana is a writing system that supports and explain how to read each kanji. Okay, so I think I've seen this before. So you have kanji character, and on top of it, you have two smaller characters explaining what that kanji is, that the younger children can read that. Is that correct? Yes, that's called Frigana. And that writing system to add the small letter on top of kanji is called Ruby. How is it called again? Ruby, R-U-B-Y. Okay, so this is how you solved the problem of categorization in Netflix by adding, oh, it's not subtitles, overtitles on top of the characters. And that is what you call Ruby, the actual character with the description of it on top. Yes, so unfortunately, Ruby's system is not supported on our UI. It is supported on subtitle, and that's what we are using right now but it's not supported in many web services, including Netflix web UI or Netflix UI. And Renato, when I saw this for the first time, I was thinking it sort of cheats. It reminds me of when I studied ancient Hebrew, where they gave you the vowel symbols around the letters, whereas modern Hebrew doesn't have that. And this is just a little more sophisticated, providing greater context into the, the kanji words. Because ancient Hebrew doesn't have vowels, right? So you would put the little dots to identify the vowel sounds. Mm-hmm. And this is like one step further. That's fascinating. So let me see if I understand correctly. 
you have categories in your menu that are in kanji, but some of the kanji cannot be read by all the children. So if it were in a video, in a subtitling, you would put a little note on top of the character in hiragana and you call this furigana. Yes. So that the children would understand what that character that they don't know yet means. But the user interface doesn't allow that. So how did you solve that challenge? So we decided to add furigana in brackets after kanji. Oh, okay. So it's like in a contract in Latin characters, you would write the number 12 and in parentheses, you would write T-W-E-L-V-12 in full. Yes, yes. Okay. Were users quick to adapt and adjust to this being written differently rather than in the Ruby style? Or was there a transition period for them? I don't think there was any difficulty for them to get used to the new writing system. So you had a ton of categories, right? I think that it's over close to 200 categories. Yes, in time. Yeah. yeah. And then how many of them did you have to change? All of them? No, 160 of them. Wow. Still quite a lot. So give us some examples of the changes that you have made. Sure. We also changed difficult words into easier words. So the example would be the English is mystical creatures. In Japanese, it was shinwa no ikimono, which is a straight translation. But kids didn't understand what mystical means. So we changed it to story about witches, monsters, and ghosts. We broke it down. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. And what else? Do you have another one? Another example to break it down was LOL. We were translating as daibaksho. Again, Pretty straightforward translation, but we changed it to less laugh a lot. And if you think about it, a lot of people are always trying to get to a more brief term or a more brief explanation when sometimes when you make something brief, it makes it more complex and people don't understand. So these explanations that are a bit longer tend to be more clear to help people. And you all found results from this, correct? Users clicked on the new categories more often. Yes. So we found that take rate for some categories increased more than 20%. And this was the only factor that changed? For the data, yes. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, the 20% increase, that's, I would take that in anything. It's good. <laughs> we decided to add Frigana instead of changing all the kanji to Hiragana to accommodate to the wide range of kids. The interesting story was. I asked older kids, I think they were 12 years old, and I asked them, what do you think if animal, the category animal, dobutsu, is written all in hiragana? And they said, I would feel that that contents are for little kids, not for them. So that category wouldn't seem interesting for them anymore. So what did you do? Did you have an animal for kids and an animal for teenagers or something like that? I'm assuming here, if you see animals in Iragana, that would be unicorns and cartoons and wonder Maybe pets and things and like that. diapers, yes. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> and if you wrote it in kanji, it would be about horses, dogs, and, yeah, and real kanji animals. And something that you could maybe cry and the friendship between animals. So it's more for older kids. 
So how was the solution? Did you keep both? The solution was to add Frigana after the Dobutsu in kanji. Oh, okay. So that includes both. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And are there any categories that are intrinsically Japanese, any categories that I wouldn't find in the US or in the European Netflix version? Yeah, categories depend on the market. So I'm sure there is. I'm not sure about the kids UI right now, but mm -hmm. for example, Japanese people love anime and we have very particular anime category that doesn't exist in the US. Oh, what is that? It's called Slice of Life and it's an anime that nothing happens. It's like a school life, a little bit of romance, but not too much drama. It's just people talking. Yes, it's exactly. our pod, our podcast might fall into that category. <laughs> Just a slice of life. It makes me think of Norwegian slow TV, <laughs> slow TV. Which I think is in Netflix. Also, you can see this movement that started in Norway. I think that the first show is a, it's a train ride that takes 15 hours from the South of, of Norway, all the way to the, to the sounds yeah. riveting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, have, they have a knitting competition also. This is, oh. That's kind of a boring slice of life. Yeah. <laughs> well, I apologize to our listeners in Norway. I don't want to of the slow TV. So, <laughs> no, but that's that's funny. And so, this is these are cartoons. These are anime about kids in school, essentially. Yes, and yeah. that's extremely popular in Japan. Well, when you say it's extremely popular, do you Yuka watch it? I'm not a big anime fan, to be honest. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just, this is so interesting that Netflix sort of redefines how translators subtitle videos, right? With that technology that they released and now have pulled back. Now, in this conversation, we're hearing how they are redefining user experience and how that has a major language component to it. They're really one of the more innovative and thoughtful companies when it comes to language and international that's, that's out there right now. Yuka, do you see these types of experiments and research informing how Netflix approaches their UI moving forward? It's happening all the time. So the consumer insight team is conducting a lot of research and also surveys. And we do a lot of A-B testing and data analysis. So it's an ongoing process. That's great. So it will be changing before our eyes. Yes. And before we close, I, she has to share her favorite Netflix original or what she's watching now. Yes. Any recommendations for our listeners? What should we watch? My most favorite original is called Love. But actually, the final season just came out. And the good thing is you can binge watch all of them right now. This podcast was produced by Burns360. You can subscribe to Globally Speaking on iTunes or any number of podcast portals. You should check out our other episodes on globallyspeakingradio.com where you can find transcripts and old notes for every show. You can also listen to us on your smart speaker. Thank you for listening to Globally Speaking, sponsored by Moravia and Nimsy Insights. We'd like to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback. 
So until next time, please visit online at www.globallyspeakingradio.com.